Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only show on the internet where we talk about things, where we dare to talk about things like fire, blood, fire and blood, games, thrones, houses, dragons, swords, lances, robots, dinosaurs, spaceships, such things as this. I am Dan Selke of winnerscoming.net, and this is Daniel Roman, also of winnerscoming.net. And everyone out there Lola. is one of our lovely viewers, including Martha, Nicole, and Robert. Great to see you all. Great to see you always. I can't wait to get into some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Daniel, how are you? I'm good. That was a very excitable intro. You got me hyped for the show today, and I even know what we're going to talk about, but I feel like I don't. I feel like there's surprise now. Uh, No, I'm good. I'm excited to talk about stuff. We've got some some cool things to go through today. Some Westeros, some general entertainment stuff, and yeah, uh, you know. Maybe even get into some gushing about Miyazaki by the end. Uh, but what's up first, Dan? Well, for up first is saying, hello, Kelly. Good to see you. Always happy to have someone around here. We love to talk. Feel free to talk. We'll answer you. Uh, first up, Daniel, let's, um, as we often do, stop by Westeros, where uh, dragons live, where horses ride, where people plot against each other. Because we have a few minor updates yes. to pass along to you. Uh, last week, we didn't include what we should have. We are talking about George R. R. Martin, author of Fire and Blood, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, um, going to England, working on the House of the Dragon Writers Room, sharing stuff about the the Game of Thrones play. He posted a picture of himself on the House of the Dragon set, which is worth looking at, I think, that we didn't get to last week. That's him and House Dragon showrunner Ryan Condal uh, standing in a courtyard by a weirwood tree, which just looks... He had nothing but... Um, wonderful things to say about the House of Dragon set. He was bold over. He was impressed. He said he's been working on TV for decades, which he has, and nothing's compared to what he's seen on the House of the Dragon set. The Red Keep, Dragonstone, um, all that stuff. He just was uh, very impressed by it. Speaking of the Red Keep and Dragonstone, do you recognize where this is, where he might be in Westeros? Because frankly, I am not sure. I don't think it's the Red Keep. Because they have that fancy weirwood where Alicent and Rhaenyra have um, significant moments. And I don't think this is the I don't think that's that one. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think this is King's Landing. Um, I was just looking right before the show at some pictures from season one of the weirwood in King's Landing. And it's kind of like in an ornate courtyard surrounded by other trees. 
Um, I couldn't find like a picture of the actual base of the tree to compare like the stones and stuff, but I don't think this is King's Landing. Um, I one of the predominant theories I've seen floating around is that this is Harren Hall, uh, because we know Harren Hall has a weirwood, ha- has a tree. We're going to be spending significant time there next season. Um, mm-hmm. so I feel like Harren Hall is a strong possibility. Um, I don't think Dragonstone even has a weirwood, if I remember right. I could be wrong about that. Um, so I would assume it's not there. Uh, so yeah, Heron Hall gets my vote, I think. What about you? What are you thinking? That's here? where my mind went to Heron Hall, because again, we know they're going to be there. We it, it definitely has a weirwood. It's old enough and was on the mainland. And, and you're right, Dragonstone mm-hmm. shouldn't shouldn't have one because it's a Targaryen stronghold. The old gods hold no sway there i guess it wouldn't be crazy for dragonstone to have one to be planted or something i don't know maybe but uh you wouldn't think so so yeah i'm gonna go with heron hall too although he didn't mention heron hall in the blog oh crap a card spell he didn't mention Heron hall in the blog post he mentioned dragonstone and king's landing but uh if any of you know the answer by the way or have opinions feel free to tell us by the way, Dragonstone, there was an interview um, with the gentleman who plays uh, Sir Laurent uh, Mar Brand, who's one of the Queensguard members in season two. Yep. His name is Max Rost- uh, Rostley, and he said that we're going to see a lot more of the Dragonstone set in season two, which also makes sense because we know that we'll That's exciting. meet the dragon seeds and they live on the island, but not like in the castle. You know, not everyone lives in a castle, Daniel. Um, so yeah, perhaps we'll like true. see more of the actual island or something, which 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 could be then. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to in season two. Uh, you know, like you said, everyone lives in a castle except Adam of and Alan of Hall, who we know now for sure. Both of them are coming. They're both peasants, even though they <laughs> have some noble blood that will we can talk about that in a sec but yeah i i think it's important to see more of dragonstone uh that's something we kind of didn't get in thrones and it's something that's important to house of the dragon to to the dance of the dragons seeing stuff happening elsewhere on the island so uh yay that i i'm all in favor of that it's a hugely important location that feels like just a couple shades beneath iconic like king's land everybody knows Winterfell, everybody knows. For some reason, Dragonstone, even though it has featured on Game of Thrones for basically the entire length from season two onwards, and now it's a central mm-hmm. location in House of the Dragon, I feel like it's not quite as well known, but House of the Dragon can change that. We're going to get knee deep in Dragonstone and see what we can. Uh, speaking of yeah. Adam and Alan of Hull, who are two uh, big characters, new characters we'll meet next year, played by... Um, Clinton Liberty and Abu Bakar Salim, respectively. I probably mispronounced that last one. Uh, do you have any conspiracy theories about Alan of Hall in particular that you'd like to spread? Yeah, sure. Uh, so this is a mild spoiler. So if you are someone who hasn't read Fire and Blood, you've been avoiding spoilers. Uh, what are you doing on this podcast? I can only assume you're lost. Uh, but no, we're, we're going to get into some mild spoilers here. So Adam and, and Alan of Hull, the theory goes that in the books, um, it's presented that they're Lenor Valerian's children. Uh, they're his uh-huh. bastard children who are, you know, bastards he had with a, a peasant sailor, basically. Um like a merchant. Sure so 
but but the exactly sure he did the it's well known even in the book that Lenor is gay so it's like court gossip that they're not really his kids they're his father's kids Corliss Valerian which is much more of a scandal because Corliss is in one of the few very healthy functional relationships in Westeros with Rhaenys Targaryen um so this past week or I guess it maybe it was last week at this point was the game awards um which you know it's a big award ceremony they give a bunch of awards to video games they uh, debut a bunch of trailers for video games uh final fantasy 7 rebirth is coming woo 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 but uh so abu bakar <laughs> salim who plays alan of hall was there because he is also he has a big presence in the gaming industry he voiced Bayek of Siwa from Assassin's Creed Origins and he has his own gaming studio now so he was there and he gave this really emotional nice speech that was honestly like kind of a highlight of the whole ceremony um, revealing this new game that he's been making and talking about how his father influenced his love of gaming it's really great you should check out his speech if you haven't seen it Uh, but so Bethany Antonia who plays Mm -hmm. Bela Targaryen shared an Instagram story of his speech and basically captioned it, Guarn uncle. So like, go on uncle. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's nope. a, you know, that's a very small thing. But for the book readers, it's like, oh, I see what you did there. Because if Alan of Hull is uh, Corliss Valerian's son, he would be Bela's uncle. So she kind of may have confirmed how the show is going to handle that. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Are we reading just total, no. really, really struggling through the tea leaves? We think that's what's going on. Yeah, that's very clear to me. Uncle, I mean, I can't speak yeah. to Guarn. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't been young for some months now, and I don't know what the kids are talking about <laughs> or how they say things. But uh, it, 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 it seems pretty clear that she's referring to her as his uncle, which is a confirmation that. Alan of Hull is Corliss Valerian's bastards, not Lano Valerian. Although, here's a question for you. What would Alan of Hull, and a question for everybody who uh, plays genealogy math, what would Alan of Hull be to Bela Targaryen if Alan of Hull was Lano Valerian's bastard son? So, Alan is Bela's uncle because he's the son of Corliss. But if he was the yeah. son of Lenor, what would the proper word for their relation be? <sighs> I when I you... believe it's like second cousin, second or third cousin. I, I went. Would tr- I forget this because I went through this when we did our House of the Dragon uh, Targaryen family tree, and Brutal. I think it's like second or third cousin when you're, um, because it's her uncle's child no i think it would be if it was Lena's cousin because because bela is lena's oh daughter, yeah you're right and then right. lanor is lena's brother and then alan yes. would be the bastard okay yeah i think it would be first cousin you're right totally i don't blame that you was though, less complicated it was it, it was to be. Just, it's just a regular ass cousin we're used to on this show to <laughs> having to learn what like a third cousin eight times removed is because people are so like arcanely related to each other on this show. And they're also marrying each other, which produces other things. 
like it's that one scene in Game of Thrones where Elena is like, so you'll be your own stepdaughter if Loras marries Cersei and then y- you marry yeah. Cersei's son, yada, 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 yada. Ooh. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I think it's a good thing that we got rid of um, the succession system based on interbreeding and went to something a little more merit-based. But others may disagree, and we can uh, hash that out later. Yeah, I mean, I guess the we can dispute the merit-based, I suppose. But yeah, I, I think if, House, if we take anything away from House of the Dragon, it's that maybe incestuous empires are not the best idea. Way more fun, though. Way more fun. I mean, as long as you're not living in them, I guess. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But yeah, so this is, you. I still expect the show is going to do the are these Lanor's kids type storyline, but it'll just make mm. it really clear to the audience that no, these are Corliss's children. It's generally sure. understood they're Corliss's children. And this kind of lines up with something we heard from Steve Toussaint, who plays Corliss Valerian uh, when he was at CCXP. Ooh where he said that he was surprised at what an emotional journey Corliss has this season. He expected him to be way more like wrathful. And instead he has to kind of humble himself because a lot of his past mistakes come back to haunt him. And I think having two bastard children, when you are generally understood to be in a very functional relationship that qualifies as past deeds, which could come back to haunt you. Um, There's another one I think we'll see, which is the triarchy. I think we're going to that's when he said that that's where my mind went was, oh, well, the you know, we I think we saw a leak of Otto Hightower meeting with the triarchy or something like that, uh, like a long time ago. So, yeah, Corliss is going to have some some skeletons in his closet this time around. Very briefly, I don't want to shame you, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's just triarchy, right? Probably. You're probably okay. right. Shame. If only we we really should have a bell for this show. That's probably Ooh, for the best I mean, we don't. That's not the there. Sep- that's not the we need a shame septa unella it's shame bell. Okay, fine. That's I'll, fair. I'll, I'll I'll buy a bell. It doesn't you make get a, a sound. All of it. It no, it does. These microphones cancel it out. It's very annoying. Like I can hear it. I, I really see. enjoy pounding things, but that's another thing for another time. Okay. Daniel, <laughs> um, and by the way, uh Another view over on YouTube was right. First cousin. Sorry, we made that way too complicated. Yeah, thank uh, you. Let's move beyond Westeros. Uh, this is a bit of a, a, yeah. of a thin review, but we'll have some good stuff. And of course, coming up, um, they announced the Golden Globe nominations. Daniel, on a scale of yeah. um, 
thrilled to beyond uh, excited to the point of apoplexy. How excited are you for the Golden Globe Awards? They're airing next next, can I say, next year. I, can I say I'm thrilled to a point of apathy? Because uh, I just you can. <laughs> I could you not can, care You less. clever boy. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, I saw these and I was like, oh, they announced them. Okay. Um, I just, you know, award sh- It's funny because I'm like award shows, but I was just talking about the game awards, which I really enjoyed. Um, I guess it's because I don't really have too many horses in the race this time around. The big one to me that stood out is that The Last of Us got a few big nominations. Yeah. And obviously, genre TV, sorry, Succession. I'm sure you were great in your final season, but I'm going to root watch. for my boy Pedro and my girl Bella. I hope they get some awards. Right, how excited True, uh, are you, Dan? Should I be more excited? Oh, of, of course you shouldn't. I mean, like, if... if, if <laughs> the Emmys are already boring, and they're bigger than the Golden Globes, so what chance do the Golden yeah. Globes have? But, um... What that's true. Chance? That, uh... That... <laughs> that, uh... The Last of Us is up for Best Drama, and Pedro Pascal's up for Best Actor, Bella Ramsey's up for Best Actress, who played Joel and Ellie... Their big competition is Succession, which I did see, uh, and is up for Best Drama. Yeah, They have fully three people, I think, up for Best Actor, Brian Cox, um, Kieran Culkin, who ended up being the best call. Who knew? Um, And uh, Jeremy Strong as Kendall Roy. And then also in the Best best Actress category, they got uh, Sarah Snook up for Best Actress. Um, I think they'll give everything to Succession. I think they should. I, I Succession was great, man. And it was the final season, yeah. so I'm sure they're going to give it a reward. And The Last has a few more chances to wrap things up. Although I still remember, um, I think it was the Emmys, not the Golden Globes, when Game of Thrones, the final season, got nominated. And like it was like Gwendolyn Christie and Sophie Turner and Maisie Williams were all in the same category. And it didn't go to any of them. It went to like, like, a, like the crown lady or something. Uh, yeah. So there could be some vote splitting going on. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder if that's going to dilute the vote a little bit. And this is pretty similar to what we saw with the Emmys, too. Like, Succession, in terms of nominations, kind of swept the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that's yeah, I, I was a little sad not to see uh, Madeline Madden get nominated from The Wheel of Time. Because I know, like, sure. I'm standing Wheel of Time hard, but I she had a pretty, she was very pretty good. good season. Especially that episode where she was getting tortured, I thought was really exceptional. But like you said, no, no surprise whatsoever that Succession is up for so many awards. It, I have no doubt it deserves it. I'm at the very, I'm trying to remember where I stopped on my watch through because I haven't had Max in a while. Max put out some more uh-huh. fantasy and sci-fi shows, so I have a good reason to subscribe to you again. Um, but Succession yeah, I, I really have enjoyed good. It is. It is excellent. I I want to say I'm like in the middle of season three, and I've really, really enjoyed yeah, it. Enough. And then David Zaslav canceled Batgirl, and I I canceled Max out of spite, even though mm. I could care less about Batgirl. It's the premise, Zaz. Um, but yeah, so no surprise on Succession. I do hope. See, this is the tough thing because I would like to see The Last of Us win something, but mm. is it gonna win anything if it's up against Succession? Yeah, it'll win. Um, you know, it'll win best makeup. It'll win pretty pretty costumes. It it'll win 
look how nice uh, the special effects are. <laughs> It'll win all the really important but little celebrated awards at um, in the broom closet down the hall from the real award show. Uh, and it'll yeah, be I satisfied that they... with that until season two or three when it has the field to itself. Yeah. And I will say, like, I do think Bella, like, I wouldn't be sad if Bella Ram, even though she was incredible, like, the best is yet to come for Bella Ramsey on that show. Oh, that's that's fine. Don't, don't, don't give her an award yet. She's totally going to win it when they get to, you know, The Last of Us Part Two, season three, if not season two. Um, I'm a little, I guess this is spoiler, so I probably shouldn't say it. Um, yeah, I I do wish Pedro had more of a chance, but he's up against Brian you. Cox. Uh, so True. and Jeremy's strong, man. That's that's the one. Hey, yeah. the way Pedro Jeremy, Pascal works, great. he'll be in something else. Uh, Pedro Pascal is maybe oh, sure. becoming like the most prolific actor, like big name. He's everywhere actor of our generation. Like that man loves to work. Yeah. And he like, and he's good at choosing projects. Like everything he's in is not only yeah, truth. Like there's no real like utter chaff. He's not like selling out to do something like really silly and stupid. Like even the the like the big IP stuff, like the Mandalorian, is pretty cool. And and, and the Last of Us yeah. is like a big important show, but it's, it's more show people like. So he has a good yeah. radar for this kind of thing. Pedro Pascal will be fine. Don't worry about him. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. I'm not worried about him. You're right. He will land on his feet uh, amidst 50 other projects as he does. Um, so no no worries there. I, I do agree with you. I think whether it's him, whether it's his agent, whoever helps him, however he decides what to take on, uh, you know, they they're making really really good career decisions for him i don't know why this is probably unfair and unnecessary shade but when you Ooh, said okay. that i thought of nikolai coster waldo for some reason cutting his hair like in the middle of game of thrones to go do a rom-com um mm-hmm. and yeah pedro pascal's maybe not making those sorts of decisions so although nikolai coster waldo sorry i'm not trying to shade you nikolai but he's in a william the conqueror movie now which apparently there's a resurgence of william the conqueror movies so curious to see him in that whenever it comes out as page d mccoy says okay true wonder woman 2 not his best choice everyone gets a mulligan they can't all be perfect that was the one i uh, thought of yeah yeah that god was bad and uh, and Jay Spencer says, by the way, talking to our earlier conversation, he thinks the Werewolf might be at Heron Hall or the Raven Tree House Blackwood, which would be kind of interesting. We did get some news about maybe the Blackwoods and the Brackens uh, that, appearing in House Dragon season two, um, which would be fun because yeah. uh, w- we never really got into their whole Hatfield McCoy thing on Game of Thrones. So I'm all for more Blackwoods and Brackens trying to kill each other in um, House of the Dragon season two. All right let's 100 uh, percent. that'd be fun i love stupid rivalries that no one remembers why they even began because they're so old and they go past your great-grandparents uh let's move on to another interesting story the best i love my nurse i'm listening several um the other day i think it was literally yesterday <laughs> uh netflix noted streaming yep. service and a progenitor of the streaming wars um did something i don't think many people expected they might ever do 
but they are taking a uh they're taking it upon themselves to step in this new direction they released very thorough uh statistics about what how many folk watch their shows how many hours are watched per show they released this giant list of like literally thousands of shows divided up by individual seasons and listed how many millions of hours people had spent watching them uh which was a Pulling back of the curtain in a dramatic way, I don't think a lot of folks expected to see because they have a reputation, a lot of streamers do, for just not sharing data at all, ever, at least not specific data. And to have someone as big as Netflix do this, it's kind of important because it kind of shows to everyone else, yeah, it is. you know, we're, we're the leader in this space and there's going to be a lot of pressure now on Max, on <laughs> Paramount+. Plus. On MGM Plus, Apple TV Plus, so many pluses. On Disney Plus, I forgot about that one. Everyone else to start showing their data, which I like. So I think it's cool that Netflix did this, although I guess they could afford to. They showed their complete stats for everything from January of June to this year. And they're going to do this twice a year unless the stats are bad and they decide not to. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. The point is good on Netflix for being uh, more, more transparent than I thought they would ever be, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like that Netflix made this move. I think, um, like you said, it is more transparent than I think a lot of people expected. Um, There are still, you know, you said it's very thorough data. There are still some holes in this that we know that Netflix uses to make its own internal calculations. Like, how many how people actually finished an episode um how many households it doesn't say that it just says the number of hours um but this is still a huge huge step in the right direction um and i think there was a lot of pressure like you said on all of these streamers to start sharing data that was kind of a, a huge linchpin of the the actor strike and the writer's strike especially the actor strike um was Netflix. these companies don't we don't know how well shows do and then we just find out or we don't find out um and that's kind of cagey and kind of shady so yeah this is it it is fascinating to see this stuff um and yeah they're going to be reporting on it potentially twice a year um so i personally i'm really looking forward to the next one which like i know that it just released this one i'm like give me the next one Hmm. um because this one only goes till june and the first show I was like, I want to see what the stats are is The Witcher season three, which was their big fantasy show this year. But they only it only shows like the week of release for season three, which was around, I think, 33 million minutes, hours, whatever. So which is not all that much, but it's only one week of data. So well, got to come. It was like two it. days. I checked. They dropped the first episode on like um like June 29th. Oh, was it? Yeah. So it was like yeah 30 days yeah. half september yeah no one day april june and november so yeah they had a f- one day of, okay of, of watching so that that's what's on there so i wouldn't well, that's fa- um okay be too upset about that yeah okay so that makes this even more interesting so season let me see if i can find it um because okay. i do have the sheet next to me um Ooh. Season one had around 78 million minutes, I think. Season two uh-huh. had about 60. Blood Origin had about 66. 
<laughs> and that's for the six months at the beginning of the year. So season three did half those numbers in its first day or two of release that the like rest of the day. show each season did it, it yeah it, it did how much did it get half as well in one day 33 million so okay. the first day of the witcher season three being out it mm. did half the numbers of blood origin in its entire run which is kind of interesting but also a little humorous um yeah so these are the kind of fun things we can do now that netflix is releasing this data yeah, I do like it. I I I I think it's I think it's pretty cool, and I fully uh, endorse it. Um, as for like the 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 biggest, it's kind of interesting. It 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 shows you a critique of Netflix sometimes has been that some of their that they create shows that a lot of people watch, but that and this is like the the Scorsese Tarantino critique that they're not really like part of the culture that like big phenomenons used to be like yeah. Jurassic Park or I don't know, MASH or Game of Thrones for that matter, uh, which is all a wind up to say the most popular show in the past six months on Netflix is The Night Agent, which was watched for over 800 million hours. I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I've heard of this, but not much. Have, do, do you know about The Night Agent? Are you a Night Agent stan? I am not a night agent stan, but I do know a lot of people watched it. I remember hearing people talk about it. This is kind of, um, I think, in the similar sort of vein. I think it's grabbing a similar audience as like Reacher, which is one of Amazon's big shows. Sure. That is, it's not about a spy, which this one's about a spy. That one is about basically like an ex-military investigator slash fixer. People. It's based on a really famous, yeah, it's based on a really famous book series, I think, by Lee Childs. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's hitting that same sort of demographic to me. And I do think that is a very large demographic that sometimes in, you know, our entertainment journalism space, uh, our, let's say predominantly liberal entertainment journalism space sometimes can get overlooked. Um, so I, I think that that is a little bit of the staying power we're seeing with stuff like the night agent or presumably reacher because i've heard that's doing very very well for amazon as well um but yeah hmm. uh not a lot of thank you know thank goodness for wednesday holding it down for the horror and sci-fi and fantasy peeps because the rest of this these top shows are like bridgerton and outer banks and Ginny and georgia we'd have no hope without wednesday adams what is Ginny and georgia about do you have any idea that's yeah, so I've actually seen some some Jenny and Georgia at, at one point or another. It's uh, it's this mom and her daughter moved to okay. a new town because the mom Wait. committed some crimes, I believe. Why? So do there's that? all sorts of familial trauma, and will they get found out for their previous, you know, the stuff they were running from? Can they make relationships in the new town? Can, Can they? Georgia? Georgia, can the mom, whichever one the mom is that I don't remember, okay. shed Virginia. her not quite villainous, but mildly villainous ways. Okay, that sounds pretty juicy. How's I don't know most pitch? of these shows. <laughs> um, it's, it, it, yeah. it's it's a it's not bad. I I, I I'd watch that. Um, so yeah, just, just interesting. There you go. Like you said, there wasn't a lot of uh fantasy stuff. Um, I think Shadow and Bone to be the new season, and that was like. Number twenty nine or something. It had like 
almost 200 million views second season, but obviously not 200 million watch hours, but uh, not enough to uh, save it from the axe, clearly, because it was among a few shows canceled. By far, the cancel show with the most views, but I'm also sure it's by far the most expensive. Uh, And also not that great. So I wasn't too upset about that, but interesting there. And yeah, if I were Netflix, maybe I would double down on I'll just go ahead and say it. If 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 the night agent is doing so well, you seem to be implying um shows about just, you know, white dudes saving the day? Is is that the key here? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um I, I mean Shadow and Bone, it's such a hard example, man, because like so like you said, it was the one that got the most views by a lot that got canceled. Like the next closest is something like 30 million watch hours. Like, but shadow and bone is a really expensive show. Um, and uh, there are some other shows that were right around that same mark of watch hours as shadow and bone that, that similarly, um, either haven't continued. There weren't recent cancellations, but their shows Netflix has not pursued. Um, but yeah, so uh, Shadow and Bone made some, it's interesting because I think Netflix made some major missteps with how it handled that as Ooh, a yeah. property um, by encouraging them to like feed the, you know, they the, the showrunner basically admitted that the reason they had the Crows crossover with Alina in season two is because Netflix begged them to do it. Um, so they kind of oh tanked God. Alina's story to get to the Crows faster. But everyone wanted Six of Crows, which Netflix, this is part of the issue of of why people were on strike. Like they commissioned that entire series. Like they wrote a whole Six of Crows show. They took resources they away from Shadow and Bone to work on Six of Crows. And then they decided not to do it, even though they had a really good cast for it. So that's that's a messy, dramatic cancellation. By far Very one much. of the most notable cancellations of the year, I think. In our space. Of the year. Ooh, we should write about it. Uh, but yeah, that's Netflix. I say it's 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 a good move overall. Yeah. Yay for you. Uh, uh, I'm all for transparency. Rock on, Ted Sarandos. I agree. I love you. Um, moving on, oh. Daniel. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait. Can I can I insert one thing? Of course, I just want to yeah. push back on Scorsese and Tarantino. Whoever said Netflix isn't always part of the culture and stuff like that. In terms of creating Tarantino. phenomenon shows or or what have you, I I can see the point. I think Netflix treats its shows like content, but I also think one of the only other phenomenon shows we have right now, the true like mm-hmm. next Game of Thrones in terms of like the buzz around it, is Stranger Things, and that's a Netflix show. Proof. So it does happen. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'll leave my mind here. It kind. Of, well, I'll 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 push back on your pushback slightly. Like I'm not I. I and I can't do it. Quentin Tarantino. I mean, I can. He's authorized me to. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think he was saying that that kind of thing doesn't happen. You're obviously you're right. Like Stranger Things is a big thing. Wednesday did become a lot of buzz. I think I, I remember he was talking about like Ryan Reynolds got paid like like twenty million dollars for that movie where he was a time traveler and he met his younger self. But I forget a Netflix movie, Project Adam. That was it. Oh yeah, like, that was did fun. You, did you, did, yeah, did you hear about movie. it? I it's true. I didn't hear about it. Like, did you hear about Extraction One and Two made a lot of money? Chris Hemsworth, but like, they're not really like influencing anything. 
they do kind of a lot of these things. Yeah, I, I get that point. They kind of like just kind of like hover there. They're there and then they're gone and people exchange money, but they're not like being talked about or really kind of influencing that generation of filmmakers the way I don't know. Well, sure. I mean, and there are always movies that just hung there anyway. I I understand, I think, what he's saying about um, how there's a lot of money and even a lot of eyeballs, but not a lot of cultural impact. Although there are exceptions, obviously. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it's it's not like they're all like that. Stranger Things, you're right, did break out. Yeah. But you know what? I agree with you, though. I, I think a huge part of that is Netflix's attitude toward the way it creates its shows. Like, like there was a lot of to do about second screen viewing, that that's something Netflix really wants mm, and pushes sure. for, a.k.a. shows you don't care enough to actually sit and watch, but we'll keep you having it on in the background. Um, and that sort of mentality of prioritizing things like that, or like, I've also heard that they have like a house type of color palette, like processing palette for the way they want their shows to look so that none of them look too different from their other shows. Um, that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff all speaks to like treating it like, like a tech company instead of like, we're making this for the art. And then every once in a while you have someone like the Duffers who are like film students coming up like students of the art of film who got a a great deal from Netflix to make the thing they wanted to make or like Mike Flanagan's another great example where Mike and Flanagan they and they botched through. the Mike Flanagan deal <laughs> because because they're more concerned with the with the numbers with stuff like this than fostering that relationship and then Amazon snatched him up and they lost Mike Flanagan so yeah Oops. I I agree with I take it back Tarantino's right or whoever said that, you, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it, it, it was turned to I'm almost sure. We'll end on I'm right and move on to the next uh, section. I like it. All about uh, what you, you, you're right. Thank you, Daniel. You're very insightful. You're, 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 you're also right. <laughs> um, as are all of you. Um, Robert Harris agreed. Netflix thinks they drop all the episodes at once. That hurts them. Uh, and Leo says that David mm-hmm. Fincher doesn't shoot like a Netflix film, which is true. I watched The Killer by David Fincher. And it, it 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 was good. It was cool. It didn't really blow up though, the way I figure it might have if it had been released theatrically or something. I wish they'd just release more things Probably. theatrically. I wish they would not be afraid of that. You know, you can release into the movie theater and also have long successful runs on net on Netflix. Like half of their we gotta move on. Um anyway, Daniel, yeah. everyone out there, I agree though. What are you all watching lately? Um, God, what have I have I've been watching? Well, I don't know. That's let's talk about what you. you've been so the main thing, God, I haven't been, I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate. It's been bad. I haven't been watching as much because I've been deep sure. into that game, which is practically like watching a thing because it's that so well developed. Um, Aside from that, I've fallen off a little bit with Beacon 23. Uh, You know, those of you oh, watching, right. listening might notice. Yeah, I didn't even review this, this last episode. I haven't watched it yet. I just realized um, that. Yeah, so be I I've enjoyed a lot of things about that show, but I am, you know, sometimes when you're watching something or I'll get this when I'm reading a book sometimes, I'll just like I won't have the urge to go back. Like there's no urgency to be like I need to go, you know, pick it back up and read the next chapter. I need to go sit down and watch the next episode ASAP. And that's a little bit of where I am at with Beacon 23. I think it kind of the fourth episode focused on some totally new characters showing us like mm-hmm. a previous 
era of the show. And then the fifth episode was back to Lena Headey and Stefan James. And there's some development that the AI gets that you got in that kind of standalone episode, but it's still, it just feels so disconnected that it kind of killed the momentum of the show a little bit because it only happened like four episodes in. Um, so yeah, I, I am curious to watch more, but I'm kind of, uh, you know, a little, I, I'm Wait, a little tired, I'm not quite hooked in as I used to be. Um, Dan, there's a movie we're going to talk about in a sec, but before we get to it, what have you been watching? I will mention this because uh, this is a, a fairly noted show. Uh, for the first time in years, I've been checking out Doctor Who because, ooh, nice. Uh, obviously, classic show, been around for 60 years, exactly 60 years. Um, I always went in and out of it, but I wanted to check it out again because they had David Tennant returning, who played a very famous doctor. They had showrunner Russell T. Davies returning, and now they have a new guy. And there's been a ton of buzz around this. Like, I will say that Russell T. Davies, the showrunner, he is so good at getting people talking. He he's like great at these little like teasing quips. He does like 30 interviews a day. He's like he's kind of cheeky and winky and like sort of kind of a wit, like ha ha ha. Like honestly, he more than anything (laughs) is really good at getting the word out. And they've been fun. Doctor Who was always uh, uh, maybe not quite my cup of tea, but um, I like it. And these episodes mm-hmm. with David Tennant have been fun, fun to watch. I've loved the special effects they've done. The first episode had nice. like a evil Furby thing. The second one had these creepy morphine versions of David Tennant and and um his companion. And the third one has Neil Patrick Harris dancing to the Spice Girls and all kinds of crazy outfits. Uh, they're memorable. I will I will remember these. That's yeah. uh, the new Doctor Nkuti Gatwa who emerges from David Tennant and spends the rest of the episode no pants, just like fighting evil and riding the TARDIS <laughs> utterly pantsless for no reason. They never, they, no one calls attention to it. He's he, 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 he just pantsless. Um, so he'll be the new Doctor. There's, there is a definite cheekiness to the show, especially when Davies is in charge. It's not it's never too serious. Uh, you're always sort of it's zippy and it's fun and it looks really good. Um, I, what, what I've enjoyed most is some of the special effects and the way it looks. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's cool to see that show kind of back in circulation. And if anybody else watched it, I'd be curious to hear about you. Daniel, you mentioned that you watched a film by a certain Japanese filmmaker. I don't recall what yeah. you said about it. What is there more yeah. detail on that? Uh, there might be some more detail. I think you've seen it too. So we got to talk about this one. Um, the Boy and the Heron, which is mm-hmm. Hayao Miyazaki's uh, new movie, is out in the US now. It came out, I believe, last weekend, uh, the 8th. Um, it is the first movie of Hayao Miyazaki's career to top the US box office. And yeah, I went and cool. saw it and I really enjoyed it. Um, not my f- what did you think of it before i get into I, my thoughts because oh, i have it's okay completely agree with you yeah i enjoyed <laughs> it too it was beautiful yeah, yeah not my favorite Hayao miyazaki movie um he's made so many great ones spirited away Princess mononoke yeah my never totoro castle in the sky um lupin the third 
a lot of great ones. This one was this one was cool. It kind of like was a highlight reel. You know, it 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 felt yeah. like it felt it felt it felt a bit like spirited away, but it's a guy now. Um, like you know, boy goes through alternate world, has these really psychedelic kind of gorgeous experiences. Again, the the thing I most liked was the visuals, especially the visual yeah. of the heron, who's kind of this trickster figure. So I mean, cool. like he's like a beautiful heron, but when he's partway through transformation. He has like human teeth in his beak. And I yeah. found that so creepy. <laughs> I don't quite know why. It was really freaking me out. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful movie. It was fun. It kind of had that Zen thing his movies have. Um, not his best, but that's fine. It, it's very, really cool that he got the top of the US box office first time in his career. The man is 82. He's been working since the 70s, making movies. Probably before that, he was working. Um, and it's great to yeah. see him get his due. Rock on Hayao Miyazaki will be his last movie. I don't know. He's been saying that for like 20 years now. So uh, we'll see what he does I, yeah. next, if anything. Yeah, there's a quote floating around from one of his uh, co-workers at Studio Ghibli. I, I'm sure it was like an executive or something ta- basically saying he's already working on another movie. I can no longer stop him. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll see more Hayao Miyazaki movies. But this one, you know, it was really notable. They released this without like any promotion. And yeah, just word of mouth. Everyone's like, there's a new Miyazaki movie. We need to go see it. Um, so that's really incredible that it is having the theatrical run that it is with basically no promotion. Um, I So for me, like, you know, Miyazaki has such a breadth of work. Uh, I'll always prefer his more fantastical movies. Like I love Princess Mononoke is my favorite, but like Nausicaa sure. of the Valley of that. Wind is another one that I really enjoy. Um, Spirited Away, obviously fantastic. But then he has like the more somber, reflective ones, like mm-hmm. like Grave the of the Fireflies, rises. that really, yeah, they really lean into like the you know World War II era effects on Japan, and this. The, the Boy and the Heron is kind of in the middle of those two yes. types of Miyazaki movies where you're getting that like real world commentary. Like here's a, like a character who is very clearly in this situation during, I believe, World War Two. They're, you know, yeah, it, the movie starts with a bomb siren going off um, and, you know, he's dealing with grief. Like it's kind of like a surrealist exploration of like grief and escapism, this movie. But then on the other hand, you have this this heron, which, you know, uh, goes through some interesting transformations. You have a journey into other worlds. <laughs> so, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. Not my favorite of his movies, but I'm so, so glad to have seen it. And what a time when Miyazaki can just retire and release movies when he feels like and we'll get <laughs> to enjoy them. Maybe you're right. I Maybe hope he does it a like, long time. The, like the World War Two bit and the alice in wonderland bit i don't know seemed like two separate movies or something i i i don't know yeah, yeah maybe you're maybe you're right maybe I, I didn't want it to just like go full on world war ii or just go full spirit away it was all about the crazy other world uh by the way uh leo asked subbed or dove born the heron i saw it dubbed because that was what the theater was showing at the time i could go Although they are also showing sub things at different times. Start at the Davis Theater in Lincoln Square. Great theater. Uh, if you're ever in Chicago, nice. I recommend so, it. How about you to see a sub or dub? So 
I saw it subbed, um, and that was partially by accident. Well, it was partially by accident because my theater had both, and I, I thought it said dubbed. I I was happy to see it either way. Uh, But yeah, I saw it subtitled. Um, So when you saw it, Robert Pattinson was the kid, right? No, he was the heron. Robert Pattinson is is the the heron. I thought he was the. I think he's the kid. Let's look this up. I think Robert Pattinson's not getting his character actor on that much because the Heron, I heard the Heron did a, that whoever that actor is, did a really, really great job of coming very similar to the way the Heron is portrayed in the Japanese version, which is, you know, very much a character. This is kind of like the, the male version of the, the little old lady from spirited away. I think that the spirited away is the best comparison um wow producer richard says robert is the heron he's the heron i stand corrected robert pattinson the kid is some random what a guy the kid is luca padovan okay i don't know who that is you don't know who that is yeah he's some young person he's (laughs) he's he's a young guy christian bale's his father only hope it doesn't have to be a famous person uh daniel except people who aren't famous take that james gunn Zachary Levy approves <laughs> this message. I don't know if that's on our lighting round. <laughs> I don't think so. No, uh, but yeah. Okay. Well, we don't need to get into it. Zachary Levy says stuff, uh, but yeah. So the boy and the heron. Wonderful. If you like Miyazaki, it's kind of a like, why wouldn't you see this movie? If you like yeah, Miyazaki course, movies, like it. it's a Miyazaki movie. You're getting what's on the box here. And it's beautiful. I thought that Willem Dafoe was going to be the Heron, but he wasn't. He played a pelican who was injured. Uh, he was great, but I, oh, I, I was looking forward. I was cool. looking forward to hearing his um his gravelly um avalanche after it settled sort of voice uh, more, and I didn't get to. But Patson was very good. Um, wow, Daniel. that's like a cameo performance for Willem Dafoe right there, because that because that yeah. I'm surprised yeah, that he's not walk a bigger into part. a booth, take a check for a hundred thousand dollars, leave. I take Willem Dafoe's life. Um, Willem's so like, I will spend a day with Hayao Miyazaki. One day. Oh, you think yes, Hayao Miyazaki sorry. was with the English voice cast, just making sure they get everything no. right? I somehow I doubt you're it. You're right. You're right. Yep. <laughs> Moving. Um, okay, <laughs> you know, this has been a, this has been a nice relaxed episode, a nice pre-holiday episode uh-huh. of Take the Black Live with the Live. I, I've had a nice time just chilling, very Miyazaki-esque. Let's go have a nice relaxed yeah. uh, Wick News lightning round, where we have twenty seconds on the clock to give our opinions on the news of the day. Are you prepared? Yes, yes, I am prepared. Um, okay, in that let's case, do it. I will ask you first. I know that we have to hit one that you requested um daniel that's right we do uh, yes we do yeah sorry <laughs> netflix has <laughs> renewed its squid game reality show squid game the challenge you ever watch the first one that's r- i did not just in case you needed your faith in humanity tested anymore netflix wants to gather up a bunch more people and make them pretend they're in the squid game where they're competing for money <laughs> because they're desperate and maybe they won't die because it's a reality show. I hate this. I hate this. Sorry, Netflix. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I will never, ever think this was anything other than a an embarrassingly horrible decision. Love it. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. This is some cool news. Speaking of things that are the opposite of a bad decision. Uh, so it is official. 
The Last of Us season two will air in 2025. Um, yeah, about what we expected. We, we thought The Last of Us would air in 2025 season two, and now we know officially it appeared in like a little scissor reel of like, and in 2025 on HBO, it'll be this. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they'll take their time. They'll make a great season. I'm looking forward to it. It's too bad that everything just got, well, it's not too bad because the strikes are important, but everything got pushed back a bit a couple of years, but it's all good. All right, Daniel. Yep. And by the way, great questions. We will answer them after we finish this lightning round from the chat. Uh, Daniel, you you requested this story we put on here because you love pirates so much. Yes, I did. Uh, Daniel, the stars, um, I think, pirate show, or is it Showtime? Mm-hmm. Black Sails is heading to Netflix in January. And composer Bear McCreary is all about it. Yeah, I mean, Bear McCreary wrote the music for that show. He said it's his most underrated project he's ever done. And he's totally right. He's totally right. I love Black Sails. I gush about it all the time. I can't even bring it up now without people rolling their eyes. But like, look, this is a peak Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad level show, in my opinion. Coming to Netflix. It had a really limited release on Stars. If you didn't see it, maybe watch it on Netflix. Netflix has done good things oh, for shows in the past. Did you do so. a Resident Evil impression? That was nice. It's called Stars. What am I not supposed to do? Not that? Okay. Not, that's fair. I, I, Kudos. Kudos for the Nemesis reference. All right. Um, moving on. God, we're old. Uh, yeah, we are. So Disney is making a Black Panther show. Uh, what what's the deal with this? It's called Eyes of Wakanda. Yeah, interesting. Black Panther is so is so interesting because it was a giant hit. Then Chadwick Boseman died, but they still had an IP on their hands, so they're going to continue it. It's an animated series, like an anthology series, but the history of Wakanda, finding different Wakandan warriors. That's about all we know. Hmm. Um, could be cool animated. Uh I I know they want to pull back, so maybe. That's it. I have. I, I clearly haven't got my thoughts together on this yet. So, uh, Daniel, moving on. The screenplay yes. for Dune Messiah, a.k.a. Dune Part 3, whatever happens, is almost finished. Do you want to see a Dune trilogy or you'll be happy with the second one? Well, let's put it this way. I would be happy with just the second one. But if they do a trilogy, I think that would be really fitting and a really good end for Denny Villeneuve's <laughs> Dune <laughs> series. Um, I think it works the material for Dune Messiah as uh, like another leg of the story that could be a finite end. So yeah, he said it's almost finished. He is going to take a break after Dune Part 2 to maybe do something else. Maybe go to the beach. Well, not the beach because there's sand. Maybe go, I don't know, the Arctic. (laughs) He wants a break and then he'll make Dune Part 3. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, Actor Jay Lee uh, gives hope for the Orville Season 4. Uh, he's, you know, he's tweeting out mischief, hashtag the Orville, hashtag <laughs> loading, jobs not finished. Should we take this seriously? I mean, yeah, why not? Like, as seriously as anything else anyone said about the show, this show is so weird. It's a great show. I have watched it. Like, on your recommendation, I really, really liked yeah. it. And people have been saying different things. Like, one actor says it's going to come back. One actor says, no, there's no chance. Now this actor is hinting like, yeah, we're not done. We're not finished. So there's been a lot of back and forth. I wish they would just get yeah. on it and I don't know what's the worst that could happen. That's my opinion. Might as well. Might as well. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, more Make Dune stuff for show. you. Yes. Dune part two coming next March will run around like two hours and 45 minutes long. Are you into that? 
I'm so into that. I'll take every minute of Dune that they want to give me. Um, I it fits. This is a huge epic movie. It's capping off this, you know, the original Dune book. It, this one is finishing March 1st. Uh, if you haven't seen it and you are listening, uh, watching this show, there's a new trailer for Dune Part 2 that came out this week. And it's uh-huh. so cool. So, yeah, yeah, I'm getting hyped. March 1st. Ooh, I'll be there. Two hours and 46 minutes straight into my eyeballs. Um, okay. The, the final question of the lightning round. Um, oh, this is interesting. So DC movies like The Batman, um, <laughs> also starring Robert Pattinson, will be available to stream on Tubi. Yeah, this is interesting because Warner Bros. Discovery has been doing this thing like, like where it shares Dune on Netflix, where it could just stream on itself. Yeah. And now all these DC movies, The Batman, others, it could keep those on Max alone, but it it's licensing them out to things like Tubi because it is maybe ahead of the curve of the streaming wars and that it wants to just make money. Cause I, I'm not sure the thing they got going really works. We're just to keep everything on your own thing. I want to say yeah. more, but I can't cause the clock went out and the show is over uh, before we go. Some great right. comments on here. Nicole might actually go to the theater for Dune part two. Um, I think, I th- yeah, I think a lot of folk books that looks it. like it belongs on, on the big Do it, screen. Nicole. Also, uh, Robert asked, will we be here next week? Yes, we will, Robert. We have one. The plan right now is to do one show next Wednesday, the 20th, then to take the next week off for the holidays and then to come back the week after that uh, for our first show of 2024. And next week, that's right. Um, I'll give you a, a small, vague hint. We're going to rank all the shows that we liked this past year from one to 15, put them in order of the best to the worst uh exactingly amongst ourselves and deliver our um final definitive inarguable rankings of the best genre tv of the year so just what do i mean what by could that? he mean I by don't that know. yeah <laughs> um t- tune in next week uh to see that tune in next week wednesday at 2 p.m cst central standard time or 3 p.m on the east coast 1 p.m up in the mountains or noon on the West Coast, and also times around the world. To watch us live, you can watch us uh, <laughs> afterwards. We're all cataloged here on YouTube, also in podcast and Facebook, also in podcast form on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available. Join us. We'd love to see you. Remember, next week, we will give our final word, and we will not brook argument. See you then. Bye. Thank you, Carol. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.